And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One Sunday morning, a, a wife went into her bedroom and called out to her husband. We've got to go now. You've got to get out of that bed. We're already going to be late for church. We've got to go. And he pulled the covers up over his head, and from under the covers he said, I don't want to go. I don't want, why do I have to go to church anyway? I don't want to get out of bed. And his wife said, Honey, there are two very important reasons why you have to go to church. One is because it is a privilege to worship God. It's not a burden. Well, what's the second reason, he whined from under the covers? And she said, the second reason is because you're the preacher. <laughs> well, I don't know why you came to church this morning. There's all kinds of reasons for coming to this place on this day. But I hope that one of the reasons is to participate in passionate, bold worship. And that's what we want to do today. Passionate, bold worship is one of the five practices of every fruitful congregation. And we're in this series about how to be bold. Last week we talked about how to be bold in our own spiritual growth and be intentional. And uh, I don't know if that was uh, the sermon or what, but in, in our particular Sunday school class, we had outstanding room only in our class. It, it was great. But let's talk about bold worship today, and let's talk about what it is and what it's not. Bold and passionate worship is not measured by how loud the music is, or how many tears are shed, or how many people even come to the altar at the end of the service. It isn't even connected to whatever style of worship. It could be contemporary, it could be traditional, it could be high church, it could be casual. Any style of worship can be passionate and bold. So what makes it bold? What makes it passionate? Well, let's talk about worship first. And Bishop Snazy, in his book, Five Practices for Fruitful Congregation, gives this definition of worship. I think it's really a good one. Worship describes those times when we gather deliberately, seeking an encounter with God in Christ. We cultivate our relationship with God and with one another as people of God. God uses worship to transform lives, heal wounded souls, renew hope, shape decisions, provoke change, inspire compassion, and bind people one to another. Through worship, God actively seeks a relationship with us, pardons sin, restores relationships, and changes lives. Wow, that's what worship is all about. That's what God does in worship. And, and when we have ourselves, we put it all of our heart into it and we 
our ardent spirit and intense desire and strong feelings, that happens in any style of worship, in any place, in any setting. And you put it all together and it equals bold worship. It means worship that connects people with God, worship that people enter into with expectancy and with the anticipation that God desires to speak to them and connect to them, whether traditional or blended or contemporary, passionate, bold worship is authentic, connecting, and sustaining. So that's what passionate, bold worship is, according to the book, The Five Practices for Fruitful Congregations. But what about you? What would you say that bold worship is? It's sometimes hard to put into words, isn't it? Because it's an experience, and sometimes you just don't have the words. Uh, about 10 years ago, I was out in Oregon taking some classes, and after, after classes and after dinner one day, some friends of, uh, of mine and I decided we wanted to go to, to Ecola State Park. It's on the coast of Oregon. And we, we drove into the park, and they had one of those, one of those like guard huts at the, at the entrance of the state park. And uh, we rolled the window down, person came out, and they said, that'll be $3 to get into the park. And I, mer I remember just kind of griping about that $3, you know. Uh, th and it wasn't even $3 a person. It was $3 for the whole car load. And I guess I'm a cheapskate or something. I was thinking, oh, it'd be, it's a park, for heaven's sake. I, I need to get in for free. But I gave them the $3, and wow, did I not know what my $3 were going to, to buy me. We, we parked and went to this overlook. And y'all, this overlook had the most amazing view uh, of the Pacific coastline. The, the beach was down there, these big, huge rock formations, and the surf was just pounding that rock formation with a sound that I just, you, could, you would have to hear it. it. It just takes your breath away. There were sea lions playing around on the rocks down there, and over to our right was, was a lighthouse that was so beautiful it looked like it came right out of a Thomas Kincaid painting something. And we all stood there and we watched the sunset go into the Pacific Ocean and, and the colors turning from red to orange and pink and every shade in between. And we stood there with our mouths open and all we could say was wow. 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 And I remember thinking, I wish I had another word besides wow. Uh, maybe I could have said holy holy, holy, because it was a holy experience. It was, it was a, a look at the majesty of God in a way that I'd never really seen before. And my friends and I knew as we looked at each other that we were always going to remember that moment that was going to connect us. And when we walked away and got back in that car, we are all just a little bit different. So I can tell you about all that but you really need to experience it for yourself. And that was the kind of problem that Isaiah was having. He was trying to put into words something that you just can't put into words. He, he was in the temple in the year King Uzziah died, and he had, just, he had an encounter with a living God. And he saw the Lord in a way he'd never seen him before, glorified and high and lifted up, and he was trying to describe, how can you describe something like that? He was using this apocalyptic language with thunder and earthquake and fiery seraphim and holy smoke. Did you notice there was smoke in the temple? I mean, what, what else do you call it besides holy smoke? And then he was trying to say this in a way. He said, I just saw the Lord in a way. 
said, I've never seen him before, and it changed me. Everything's going to be different. So now back to the question, what makes worship, bold worship? If it's not how emotional I get, if it doesn't matter what the style is or how loud the preacher yells, what is it? I think Isaiah helps us to understand. Isaiah helps us to understand that true and bold worship is heartfelt response to seeing God in a whole new way. Bold worship begins by looking upward. Have you, have you noticed when you walk into this beautiful sanctuary, your eyes are drawn upward? These beautiful windows, the beautiful sanctuary, it makes you look up. You know, I, I enjoy preaching, and most of the time I think I do a passable job, but I have to tell you, worship isn't about the preacher. It isn't. I have to be, what I have to be is, is a signpost that points to God. Uh, I know uh, we have amazing music in this church, and, uh, well, let's just say, can I get an amen if you're blessed by the music in this church? So you just about have to draw amens out of the Methodist crowd sometimes. So we applaud, and we applaud, and we, but we applaud to give glory to God uh, for this beautiful music. Um, but if you think about it, the worship isn't about the music. It's about the one to whom the music points, right? We must be signposts not hitching posts. So we have a beautiful sanctuary here. We have, if you haven't taken time to look around at everything, beautiful furnishings, beautiful windows. It really creates a worshipful atmosphere. It's, it's just one of my favorite places to worship ever. But it's not about the place. It's not about the building. We have to be about the one whom we're worshiping. It's not about the preacher or the music or the building and hold on to your seats but it's not about you either and it's not about me it's all about him whenever we sing these beautiful hymns or hear this beautiful music whether it's in here or whether it's in, in our gym and celebration service or even when we're singing at a party for special needs adults when we're coming from the heart when we catch a glimpse of God in a brand new way, that's where worship starts. It starts with an upward look. It's our response to seeing God in a new way. I know many of you are, are football fans and we're kind of getting football season started. And sometimes if you notice when someone scores a, a, a touchdown, uh, they, might, they might kneel down on one knee and do that. Y'all ever seen do that? Or um, when, when uh, someone on the Braves maybe touch a gold cross around it, you know. And it's just a little bit of a reminder that, uh, yeah, I, I was able to score that touchdown or hit that home run, but it's all about God because God gave me the ability to do that. I keep waiting for the day when someone uh, fumbles the ball and loses the game and they still get down on one knee and they do like, because it's still all about God, right? Even if you strike out or fumble. So I've often thought maybe that's what we need to do when we walk into this place is get down on one knee and remind ourselves who it's all about. That's what worship's about. It's not about me, it's about you, Lord. So when we do that, when we take that upward look, then we're bound to, we're bound to have an inward look. 
That's what Isaiah did when he saw the Lord and all of his splendor and holiness and he saw all of this in a new light. He said, woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Apparently, Isaiah had a problem with his big mouth. I can relate. But he saw himself. He had an inward look. Uh, the Lord is high and holy and lifted up. And all of that holiness makes us feel a little bit undone. But his confession, it was honest, it was personal, it was specific. And did you notice that his confession was also communal? He said, I live, I live amongst the people with unclean lips. It's not just me. It's us. It's us. We, we pray the Lord's Prayer, and there's a communal aspect to that, too. We say, forgive us our trespasses, don't we? Forgive us our trespasses. Because when we get an upward vision of God, and we look on the inside, then sometimes we say, woe is me. Woe is me. But we don't stay there. Did you notice? He didn't just stay there wallowing in his feeling of inadequacy. God loved him so much that he sent the seraphim to, to grab a coal from the altar. And where did he touch him? He touched him right at the point of his problem, right in the mouth. And that's what God does for us. When, when we do have that inward look and we see there's something out of place here, God touches us right at the point of our need, forgiving us, not because we deserve it, because we don't, but according to his steadfast love and mercy. According to his grace, he does that for us. And now, what we're going to do after all that, after we have a glimpse of God and a glimpse of ourselves, maybe a moment of clarity, we haven't had it in a long time, and maybe for the first time, we can hear God's voice saying, whom shall I send? Who, who will go and do my work? Who will be my hands and feet? And that's when our upward look and our inward look turns to an outward look. And we say, here am I, send me. Because you see, worship, if it's bold and passionate, if we do it right, this awesome transforming experience of worship always leads to something else. Okay? It always leads to, to bold growth and spiritual uh, growth and development. It always leads to mission and service. It always leads to bold generosity. And we live in an open-handed way, saying, here I am, Lord. I'll be the one. You can send me. See how it all connects. Is when we worship from the heart, we have this experience, and we walk out of these doors, and we're just a little bit different. Things aren't the same as they were when we, when we came in. And when people come and they, and they visit with us, they're our guests. They pick up on this atmosphere of expectancy. You know, we've got work to do. And, and, and it begins with our worship leaders, myself including. We have to be ready. We have to, our, our musicians, we have to be, have everything ready and Christ-focused and, and excellent in quality and relevant in our community in which we live. But you know what? All of us have got work to do to make worship bold and passionate. Because we all bring something with us, hopefully. It's like when you go to a good tailgate party. You don't want to just go there and just eat up everybody else's food. You need to bring something with you to the tailgate, right? Bring a, At least get a bucket of chicken or something and bring it with you, okay? So when you come to worship, 
You need to bring something, okay? You need to bring an ex, a, a, a air of expectancy and expect that God is going to connect with you and that you're going to connect with others, even if the music is a little off that day, even if the preacher's not really hitting a home run that day, if you come prepared to connect with God, then you're going to walk away a little bit different. That's my prayer today. That somehow we've taken an upward look and been pointed to the Lord and that we've taken an inward look and maybe we've seen something in our lives that needs to be touched by God's holy fire and then this experience of worship would cause us to take an outward look and to say like Isaiah did, here am I, send me. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we give you thanks for being the awesome, amazing, mighty God that you are. We give credit where credit is due and it's all due to you. We give our hearts now to you in worship. But we want to give our hands and our feet too. So God, here am I. Send me. Amen. And that's our closing hymn today. It's hymn number 593, a beautiful song.